Welcome back to Rinkwise, everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're very excited to be joined here in studio today by Danielle Marmer. Welcome. Thank you. This is this is a really cool experience. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We've wanted to have you on here for a while and from the the Boston Bruins, of course. So big announcement last year, you joining in with them. And of course, we want to have you on the show. So we're really excited to to have you and we've wanted you we wanted to have you as a guest on here for a while well thank you no this is this is so cool and, and I have listened to some episodes so you guys have had some elite guests on here so excited to join that cast excellent well of course you are you are absolutely in that category and so again and I know lots of people followed you with this this big news with the Bruins and by the way congrats on a really awesome season thank you with them this year I know not the result that we all mm-hmm. wanted but uh, certainly the process is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was really fun until it wasn't, right? I mean, we had how ma- however many months. How long is the season? It's October to to June, basically, and we had that long of it being really fun. So that was exciting to be a part of that. And that's sports, right? That's uh, yeah. Sometimes just how it goes. But I'm really looking forward to the future for sure. And so just to start off, I mean, this is again, I can't wait for this podcast because I think it's just going to be so interesting. And just to learn about you and just this whole process. But to start things off, like how how about just filling us in more with your background, hockey background? Sure. I, I grew up in a, a really small town in southern Vermont, Dorset, Vermont. Shout out. Have not heard of that, actually. <laughs> so, not, yeah, yeah, no, most people haven't. But so I, I was a, a bit of a big fish in a small pond. I went to, I left to go to high school at Loomis Chafee in Connecticut. I, know, I knew that I needed to be playing in a more competitive league and, and with a club team that was going to allow me the exposure to, to be viewed and seen by college coaches and the recruiting process. And so I was at Loomis, loved that experience, played for the Connecticut Polar Bears. And then from there, played at, at Quinnipiac University. We were there for four years. That was, we have plenty of time to talk about that, but that was a, a really unique experience. It was ups and downs. It was the first real adversity that I, that I had hit in my hockey career. I owe so much of of where I am now to that experience. From there, I knew that I wanted to stay in hockey. I started coaching at Connecticut College with Kristen Steele. Classic. Yeah. Love Kristen. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Still around. Yeah. Yeah. Doing no, a great job. I mean, she has been at Connecticut College for so long and, and she's re- built that program up and is, is such an advocate for young female coaches yep. and has developed so many of us. And we're all, there's so many of us who are been in Division One college coaching, so a lot of credit to her. And then from there, I went back to Quinnipiac, was Director of Player Development and Hockey Operations, and after three years there, ended up here at the Bruins. That's great. Wow, that's quite the path, and I'm sure you're also happy to see, I mean, all those places you mentioned, Loomis and mm-hmm. Polar Bears, Quinnipiac. I mean, we, we do a lot of prep coverage, as I'm yeah. sure you've, yeah. you've seen, and those are still programs that are really just doing great kind of at the, the top of the charts. Yeah, yeah. Still. So you mentioned, so during Quinnipiac, and they're they're doing awesome, too, yep. both men and women. Yep. I mean, the, the, the girls' program is just really completely taken off. It's really kind of remarkable to see their journey. But so when you were there, you, you mentioned just some going through adversity. Yeah. So really a great learning tool for you. So what, what were some of the things that really kind of helped you? I mean, the head coach who's there now, Cassie Turner, I owe so much of, of my success and just where I've gotten to, to her. 
I wouldn't be where I am today without her. And she's still somebody who I, I rely on and I call often for advice and, and for, for help. So yeah, I really appreciate having her in my corner and and what she was able to provide me with that college experience. But it started, she didn't She didn't take over till the beginning of my junior year. So those first two years, I mentioned I was, I was a big fish in a small pond, and I think I thought coming to Loomis that I had left that small pond. And in reality, when you're comparing or you're competing for spots with all of North America and Europe, the New England prep world still is pretty small. Right. Uh, so w- when I found I found success at Loomis and uh, with the polar bears, and so I think I thought like, okay, everywhere I go, I'm I'm going to be successful in hockey, and that was not the case when I got right. to Quinnipiac. Uh, right. I was in for a bit of a rude awakening. I, I I wasn't prepared to be totally honest. I I you don't know what you don't know, and I didn't know going into that experience how the level and how competitive these players were, how hard they were training, the skills coaches, the the personal trainer, the, the things that, that players were doing to be their best. Right. You don't know what hard work looks like until you're in the middle of it. And so I was not working hard prior to that, which is hard to admit. And it took me, to, if I was able to admit that earlier, it probably would have been a bit of a smoother transition. But so those first two years, that was a component of it. The other component of it is we, we had a head coach at the time who sort of, you know, he built his culture off of fear and, and a bit of punishment and mm. the, the skating when when we didn't score a certain amount of goals or sure that kind of environment a slightly outdated yeah, per, per and, se and model of to be now. fair that wasn't abnormal at the time right we've coaching has transitioned and uh, in the best way yeah. and I think for the right reasons but so it, it was normal at that time but we can see why that doesn't doesn't work so that combination made it really challenging for me and for the first time I wasn't loving playing hockey I as the kid who needed to be doing extra skill sessions extra workouts spending more time doing video I avoided the rink I'd Mm. show up for the mandatory practices the meetings but I wanted nothing to do with being there so that was really challenging trying to navigate that I I, coming from Loomis I found success in the classroom I credited myself in my ability to to do well in school and get good grades, and so I just dove into that. I was like, I'm going to go to law school. So I st- it was mm. legal studies. Nice. Figured, really, I, I think I thought that was impressive, and that wasn't being impressive on the ice, and so I was going to find somewhere else to be impressive. And so I think it was more of an ego-driven thing than anything. But uh, yeah, it took two years where I just kind of spun my wheels. I didn't get better. You can't get better if you're in a place where you're dreading being at the rink. Right. If it's not fun for you, you don't want to put in the work and, and you're looking for shortcuts, there's just no way to get better. Mm. So it took me a long time to, to figure that out. And it wasn't until Cass took over going into my junior year. We had a conversation. I remember being in our office. It's probably, it, I mean, it definitely has changed the trajectory of my life. It's the most important conversation that I've ever had, I think. She just said to me, she's, what do you want to get out of this experience? You have two more years left. What do you really want from this? And I told her, I, I want to impact this team in a positive way. I just don't know how. Mm. And we, we broke it down and she's like, you're looking at this like with too too much of a macro lens. Like you're so result driven. You, you produced and you put the puck in the net in high school and that's not what I'm asking you to do here. You're on the fourth line right now. Like right. it's the last thing I need you to do. I need you to be dependable in the D zone. I need you to break pucks out consistently and be relentless on the four check. Like that's what I'm asking from you. And uh, so that was a piece of it. Being team first, I really learned how to do that. I had spent two years comparing myself to my teammates and when you're 
looking for reasons to play. You're comparing your best with your teammates' worst which is not fair. Mm. So, and I I loved my teammates. Like they're the reason that I stayed through those first two years. So that's why I was doing that. Like I hate that I was doing that. Creates friction with your teammates, but it also creates distrust with your coach because now I'm I'm thinking, oh, they don't know. Like I I should be playing or because I'm looking at the couple moments that I was my best. Right, right. So I'm like, oh, they don't see that. And now you don't trust your coach. And now, you know, it's just this negative headspace that you're in and you spiral. And so... Those two things, focusing on the process, the habits, and then being team first and celebrating my teammates, getting excited for their successes, it took the pressure off myself. I stopped thinking about myself. I was out of no longer in this woe is me place. And it makes you want to go out and do those things. Like if I'm celebrating my teammates blocking a shot, I go out there, I want to block a shot. That's all I have to do yeah, to, yeah. to change the momentum of a game or to get the bench excited. It's that sm- those small moments that don't really end up on the score sheet or that maybe the crowd doesn't recognize as being a, a really important thing. But So that was sort of how I worked myself out of that spiral. And then being at the rink became fun again. The whole process became fun again, and we found a lot of success that year. We won the ECAC championship for the first time in program history that year. And it was incredible. It was such a cool experience to feel like I had a part in that. Yeah. And my, my play didn't impact that game at all. Like Castle say we couldn't have won a championship without you. And that's so nice of her to say, thank you Cass for, for Mm -hmm. hyping me up. But I get what she's saying because I didn't change the outcome of that game. But as coaches, we know that you have a handful of players who can win games for you, but every single player can lose a game for you. Like if you have, players who are frustrated or negative or not buying in they can pull people in the wrong direction and I took it upon myself to make sure that our whole team was in a positive mindset that we were cheering each other on that we were excited for for each other's success and I think it's a reason why we didn't have much friction that year we had a really really good season accomplished a lot and it was really fun to be a part of yeah well that's just that's incredible really just a great story just a more backstory into you and really just because I think it all plays into the path and I think Danielle as well like the obviously on this show if you've heard I mean it's just a lot of information particularly for youth right upcoming Mm -hmm. players and stuff and I think it's just wonderful information and perspective just all around and I think as well just the 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 tidbit I mean we 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 do focus a lot on hockey in New England and one of the things that I also see I think a lot in at the youth level is they do have to understand like when you're you're upbringing youth and then when you make the leap to the college level really any college level now division three or division one it's a completely different ball game Mm -hmm. and you just you have to be prepared for that it's it's really it's a role that you might have had when you're at the high school level or because now the college level I mean it's not just across North America I mean now it's North America and Europe yep so it's just exactly you're jumping into a whole different pond to be fair I I was a bubble division one division three player I was told at every division one visit that I went on that it was going to be a battle for me to get in the lineup but when you're that age and you're experiencing the success you're experiencing that moment it's almost impossible to hear that right right Uh, it's really hard to hear that I I heard it so many times and it just sort of rolled I don't even you almost black it out you don't remember you're like yeah okay well I'll figure that out when I get there because 
that's in a couple years. Or that's mm-hmm. in a year. I'm going to get better and this will be easier. But that's, they were honest with me. I just couldn't hear it. Well, and it's, I think you gave great advice as well. So focusing on the process, mm-hmm. right? So experience a little bit of adversity, but focusing on your process, your habits. And it sounds like finding a role and a way to really contribute, however yeah. that is, yeah. and to it's, your team. It's fun that way. I think people think, kids think if they sort of accept that role, that they're, they're doing themselves a disservice or they're accepting that they're maybe not as good as they want to be or that they're accepting a role that they don't want. But you're going to be miserable if you're fighting that. Mm. And it's so much more important and so much more valuable to be a part of the the team in the direction that they're going and help go. Whichever way, however you can help and whatever your role is to help propel that forward and in, in the direction of the team's going, it's there's nothing better. Like I said, like we won that's probably the best hockey experience of my life and I, I don't even know if I how many times I stepped on the ice that day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's that's great. That's really great. And so with the transition of Coach Cassie and Coach mm-hmm. Cassie, thank you, right? Yeah, thank you, Cass. She's listening. <laughs> but so re- really reinvented or re- reignited, excuse mm-hmm. me, if you will, the love for hockey all 100%. over again. And so let's now talk about the Bruins. So how the transition, so you're at Quinnipiac yep. working there, and how did this all come about with your role and the talking with the yeah. Boston Bruins? Well, it's sort of another facing adversity moment or story. I... Went back to Quinnipiac because I wanted to be in Division One. I. I wanted to be in a place where you could provide players every resource to be successful and to be at the best at the top of their game. And uh, Cass said that she, there wasn't much turnover that year in the coaching world, and I, I remember she said, I don't have an assistant position open for you, but I have this director of hockey operations position. Love you to take it. She, she's changed the the title to director of player development she wanted it to be a a position for a young female who wanted to get into coaching so Mm -hmm. she could develop a coach and I thought it was a great opportunity to see how a division one program operates and I mean that I remember the first time I I worked a game and I spent four years there felt really involved I thought I knew what was going on behind the scenes and I had no idea I I walked up to the the press box and I was blown away by how many people were up there how what it takes for a game day operation Mm, like I had no idea when I was playing there so more appreciation oh my gosh so much appreciation um so I, I did that for two years I got my master's at the same time and and she again to her credit she gave me so much responsibility coaching allowed me to do as much coaching as I was allowed to do within NCAA compliance and I got to do a lot of the the opponent scouts video projects helped create these personal success plan plans for the development of our players I I got so much I got to do so much and after two years of that I was like okay I'm ready to get back on the ice and practice get back behind a bench I want to have a direct impact on a team yeah there was a ton of turnover that summer Mm -hmm. there were every I felt like every program had an opening and I applied for all of them and I think I gosh I was a finalist at like seven programs like a ton of programs yeah I didn't get Mm. I got I was offered one two-ish of those jobs but I heard no quite a lot Mm. and the the ones that I were I was offered I just I wanted to make sure that I was going to be in a experience in an environment where I was going to grow and I just didn't feel like those ones were were for me but so I decided to to come back to Quinnipiac for a third year and Cass said something to me again another thing another 
tidbit of uh, wisdom that she put on me. She said, what's going to be on your resume in a year from now that isn't on it today? Mm. Why are you going to get these jobs next year? The same yeah. ones that oh, you didn't great. get this year. Yeah. You know, why are you going to get yeah, them? So that's awesome. One of the things, I had to assess my strengths and weaknesses, find the areas that I could develop and I knew that being in in that player development, that hockey ops role, I wasn't allowed to be recruiting. So I wasn't out recruiting. I didn't have proven ability to recruit at the Division One level. So she was passing along, sending me some some emails of some things that you could do, and what about this? What about that? And, and finally, she sent one that was the the Bruins, an application for the Bruins mentorship program with their scouting department. And it's like, hmm, this one looks interesting, and. Maybe I can quiet her by saying, yeah, I applied for one of these things that you sent me. Stop sending me stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I applied for that, and I got into that program. It was a diversity and inclusion mentorship program. And so it's their initiative to help grow the game in underrepresented communities in hockey. And so I was lucky enough to be brought into that program. And my mentor was Ryan Nato, who is the director of amateur scouting for the Bruins. Okay. Yep. So... How the program worked is that they would send us video. Each month was like a different position. So I remember September was the centers, October was wingers, November defensemen, and so on. And they would send us three players, be a, a pro player, an amateur player, maybe a college player, and they'd send three videos of each of the players. And so we'd watch the videos and we'd write these eval reports, and they're actually the same eval report that I do in my job now. Sure. And every Tuesday at 9 a.m., I'd get on a Zoom with Ryan, and we would talk about the players that that we watched and sort of talk about how we evaluate them and how we'd project them. And we did that once a week from September to May, and towards the end of that, that program he knew I was looking for college division one assistant jobs and at the end of that program he's like how's the job search going and it's like well it's still a little early some teams are still playing so it hasn't really opened up yet and he said well what are your thoughts on doing this full-time and I never went into this program thinking that a job with the Bruins was a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking this was a resume builder. Right. I was going to show these these programs that I can evaluate and project players at the highest level. So while I don't have the, the proven recruiting experience, like I, I spent my year doing this. And so I kind of laughed at him. Like I, I couldn't take it seriously. I didn't know what he meant. Like, And that's just, that's what it's like when there aren't, you don't see women in, in these roles. So I... I I'd like to think that now if people get offered, women get offered these positions, they'll take it seriously. But uh, yeah, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, mm. well, we have some openings and looking to move some things around. And so I just was like, yep, yeah. Didn't know what half of it meant. Didn't know what player development <laughs> in the NHL really meant. But I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> of course I will. So that's how, how those conversations started. What a unique story. Again, more, more backstory to that. And well, clearly you impressed him enough during that tenure trial, mm-hmm. if you will, that he felt confident enough to try to get you in there full time, clearly. Yeah, I mean, and again, all the credit is, is to him. He helped me out so much through that that experience. It opened my eyes to seeing hockey in a different way. I think we get so used to the lens that we're watching hockey through, and we, f- we don't realize there's so many other ways to look at this game and to evaluate players, and he really opened my eyes to that. Yeah. Well, sounds sounds like a great mentor mm-hmm. as well, just like Coach Coach yep. Cassie. And uh, Danielle, I think, again, great perspective, really, that you're providing, I think, to us and in the audience is really, you did hear no a lot, mm-hmm. like a, a lot of successful people do, yeah. right? I mean, it's that's just, I think, the reality. Sometimes I think they hear, you hear no more than yes. However, 
it doesn't deter you from getting to where you want to go. And I think that sometimes you just need to be given an opportunity and get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's up to that person, in this case you, what you're going to do with that opportunity Mm -hmm. once you get the chance. Absolutely. And I think... It's either up to someone to sink or swim, yeah. right? And in, in that in that circumstance, so that's just that's just awesome, really, how that all kind of came about, and and it's also again unique. I mean, this is pretty big time, really, as we're seeing. This everyone follows the Bruins, and uh, this is really they certainly have females at work behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and I know they've been there for a while, but in terms of this kind of a role with the Bruins, you're you're the first female. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's it's been a an unbelievable experience and opportunity and I've said it a, a couple of times I there are women in the NHL working in in hockey operations and it's I didn't know that though like I really didn't when I when we were talking about this job and so it's just the visibility is so important and, and I, I'm really hopeful that I keep that door open and that more women are in these leadership roles in the NHL and in hockey operations in the NHL so that when like I said when you know if that that a kid wants to work in the NHL, a young girl wants to one day work in the NHL, she's going to have seen women doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question that's going to mm-hmm. happen, right? Yeah. Just like when we're all younger and someone asks you what you want to do, well, I want to play at this school or that school. Well, now, you know, you're also going to hear, well, I want to work at the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Just like Danielle. Yeah, 100%. So let's walk us through it. So what exactly is it that you do? Like what is sort of a day in the life yeah. of, of your role there? So we, when, when a player is drafted to the Bruins or acquired via trade and a prospect is, is drafted, they become part of our, they're not with our organization yet, like they aren't a Bruin, but we have their rights, they're drafted to us. So I, I explain this, like in, in the NFL, you have college seniors who are drafted at the end of their senior year and they're attending that training camp that summer. In the NHL, kids are drafted at 18 years old and they aren't turning pro until their early 20s and maybe they're playing in the AHL early 20s but it's taking another year or two or a couple more years to make it to the NHL if they get that far yeah so it's sort of it's it's my job in player development to be preparing them through that four or five years making sure that they recognize the parts of their game that are going to translate to the NHL and to pro hockey and sort of help them along that path so what that looks like in season is traveling to games. We're really lucky that we have a lot of guys in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. Living in Boston, it's nice because there's a lot of Boston colleges in the Boston area. The guys that we do have out in the Midwest, they eventually travel over to the Boston area. So a lot of it does get to be local for me, which I know is unique to the Bruins and to the situation that we're in. But there's also plenty of travel. We have guys in, in the OHL and over in Sweden and playing college hockey in the midwest so it's it's travel as well but it's going to their games writing eval reports on them writing eval reports on really anyone who stands out in that game draft eligible players players who are drafted potential college free agents that we'd be interested in and maybe signing so it's writing these eval reports after the game catching up with that player talking about the game again talking about the things that we think will translate the things that we thought we they did really well letting them know if there are areas of improvement and then I sort of start the week writing those reports out every Tuesday try to get down to Providence to get on the ice with the AHL guys and I'm really excited for this past year was challenging because I didn't have a relationship with the guys in Providence so I was making Mm -hmm. those as I was going yeah but 
this year it's like I have guys who will be heading to Providence and who I've spent this last year working with, following them around, going to their games, keeping up with them, and I'm really excited to have them to show up on Tuesday, have them in Providence and get to spend time with them and help them through their journey there. And and the week kind of starts back over. Thursday you're looking for the next game to go to. Friday weekends you're going to, to their games and yeah. Wow, that's it's a lot, right? So incredibly fast paced and incredibly dynamic. Yeah. Seems like it's pivoting at all the time or be ready for anything. And yeah. but I'm sure also wonderful. I mean, just I feel like with anybody too, like one of the best parts of coaching is just also building those rapport too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the when I was coaching and when I and I think Connecticut College was the I was actually on the bench and I was really coaching but I felt this way a little bit at Quinnipiac when I was working there as well but it's these seasons are long you need these you want these right. players to be playing their best hockey you're putting so much into their development and, and putting so much into to what they're doing and everything is planned and so detailed the seasons are so there's so much going on it's easy to get frustrated with your players mm. it, it I think coaches would be lying if they they said it's fun all the time and it's easy and I love all my players like there are times it's like having kids it's 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 you get frustrated at times and right. a lot of times you get frustrated even at your with your best players because you want them to be even better you want you need them to be producing in order to be winning games so it's been really refreshing to be in this lane of I'm not really tied to the wins and losses of these games I'm going to mm. I want my, I want the player that was drafted by the Bruins to be playing well and but I, they don't have to be playing a perfect game they just you want to just see that either there's improvement or there are pieces of their games that they're going to benefit them and allow them to play in, in pro hockey and allow them to have a long career but I'm not sitting there nitpicking and right. being frustrated. And I'm sure their college coaches, their junior coaches, they need them to, to have it figured out right now and be yeah. playing a certain way right now. So right. I'm sure they might be a little bit yeah. frustrated. But right. it's it's really neat to be in this, seeing it through this positive lens and, and relying on the relationship you have with these players. So in a way, really, what you're describing, like you, you have a, a, a huge role in effectively – potentially the future right of the Boston Bruins right like you, you're you're effectively landscaping the players and and that sort of thing like for the future right? yeah like, and I mean it, it takes a village I've Adam McQuaid's my boss he's the coordinator of of player development and so he's doing so much to, to make sure that these players are, are hopefully panning out and then our Providence staff that entire coaching staff mm-hmm. you know you had Ryan Mouchanel on the podcast I listened to his episode yeah my buddy Kim Branfold used <laughs> yeah, to be Kim, the, Kim yeah. was on it as well yep. yep so I mean there are so many we have skills coaches who are on the ice almost every day in Providence so there there are a lot of us who are dedicating our time to make sure that these guys have a shot at the NHL. That's great. And of course, now you have John McLean. Yep. In yeah. J Mac. Yeah. 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 That's a good <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. He does an awesome job. He's, He's unbelievable. Yeah. One of the best with the the skating. But, and so when you when you get in there, so with this whole transition, like how how are you perceived? How how did it take you a long time to get those rep- good rapports with the guys? Like how how did this all? Honestly, everybody was so welcoming and everybody so complimentary. Yeah, they 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 seem to to respect the things that I'm saying and be interested in it. And I I think these players know like it's in their best interest to to listen to what I'm what I'm trying to share with them. Like they know and and hopefully I've done a good enough job building the relationship that they know that I'm only here to help them. And that it's in their best interest to to take advantage of what I can offer. No, that's that's great. And uh, one of the 
just listening to you and of course one of our, our former guests and uh, his daughter so Jim Madigan mm-hmm. and, and Kate yeah when they were on the show back in the fall just again another great yes. episode and, and guests and he obviously his daughter's with the devils and he is the athletics director currently at Northeastern so mm-hmm. running a, a very big division one athletics program and I thought he said something that really just was a great way to put it a great statement just in terms of like having because of course in an athletics department you have a lot of females mm-hmm. you know, in big huge important roles and it's it's just a whole mixture but he said it's just you have to have different perspectives Yes. And ways of thinking to be the most successful possible. And yes. I feel like that's sort of like the Boston Bruins and you yeah. right now, just different perspectives. Yeah. No, that's that was something that, that we talked about in sort of my interview and, and in the process of me being hired. And that was the emphasis from, from Don Sweeney and, and from Ryan that they're looking to expand the perspectives. Like they, they want people on the staff that have different backgrounds and different experiences yeah. and, and how that can help. They want to win a Stanley Cup. And so yeah, whatever, whatever yeah we let's can go. do to get there. Yeah, we all do, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, let's go. I know. Boston Bruins. I mean, it's and it's there. It's like I, I feel like again, obviously, great, incredible season yeah. last year, and like we've all had these times where we probably should have won a championship or sure. something, right? It's just sure. some. It's just sports. Like it just didn't, so hard didn't happen. So hard, but so excited for the future yeah. as well, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. And and getting to know the guys that'll hopefully be like stepping up into some of those roles. Yeah, I'm really excited for the future of, of the franchise. Yeah. And speaking of the future, so obviously you just you keep just sort of paving the way and just uh, so awesome just to hear about your career so far and, and following and getting more in your background. I'm sh- sure is there different things that you'd love to maybe take on at some point and see yourself doing at this level? Yeah, I mean... I it's 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 neat to be in an organization where a lot of people within it have started in player development. Um, so Don Sweeney was in player development, right? Mm-hmm. So GM yep. Chris Kelly, assistant coach, he was in player development. Jamie Langerunner, who's one of our assistant GMs, and he does player personnel. He start he was in in player development. So there are a lot of different paths that I'm seeing that I can take, which is really neat. But I was I'm mentioning this to you prior to this podcast starting, but this year it's really just been me exposed to to the process, to to learning how this organization runs and, and what it takes to, to do this job well. And, and now I'm really excited to just get back to it this year and to do it to the best of my ability. Like, I'm just, I want, I also want to win a Stanley Cup. I want to yeah. do whatever I can do to help this organization do that. So I'm really just focused on doing my job the best that I can right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And player development's so important, mm-hmm. right? It's it's sort of the, uh, the core, if you will, right, of, of almost any professional or any any team Mm -hmm. but any any professional sports team yeah and it's interesting I feel like when people when they sort of climb the ladders through their careers say like a general manager they can do everything from drive the Zamboni to recruit or whatever right they they know every aspect of their business by the time they're sort of at the pinnacle of their career yeah and I, I try to think of it similar to when I was finally in a flow in my college hockey career where it wasn't result driven I was focusing on the everyday the things that I can control the habits and that's sort of how I approach this job as well yeah yeah very unique and I know you've already through your storytelling and such and alluded to this but just so much advice that really that you've I think brought to the table on this episode and just learning more again of your path and your background but clearly there's there's also just like in your playing days a lot of young athletes that mm-hmm. are looking at you and now I think they're they're probably really looking at you 
with this role. Any any sort of advice to some of the young, aspiring little little eyes on you right now? Yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so much. It's this is a sort of like a buzz phrase, and I feel like it's a lot, but controlling what you can control. Yeah, there's so much that's out of our control, and we waste time and energy thinking about it, worrying about it. If we can just focus on on the things that that you have the ability to change or work on, celebrating those the moments that you succeed in those little in, in what you're trying to accomplish, but the small successes, like not being so result driven, but being excited about the process. The process is the whole point. Like like we said, like winning a Stanley Cup, winning in any in any sport, any championship is so hard to do and only one team gets to do it. Right. And it's it really is all about the journey and all about the season or the culmination of seasons and the experience. And so if you can your mental game will be better if you're mm-hmm. worrying about the things that you can control, which that is such a big piece of it and staying positive having a positive and a growth mindset. Yeah, I mean it's if we can just collectively be out of this place of like, of it being a, a self-centered sort of motivated, like I want to do well. Like if you can get into this team first mentality and yeah. you can be worrying about what you can control and how you can help the team get there, you will become better at hockey. Like you will have a better mindset when you show up at the rink, which is going to allow you to enjoy practice, which is going to allow you to get better at practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Really wonderful advice. And so, of course, the season is right around the corner. So when, when do you really, things really get cranking? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting prepared for our guys to get back to, to Warrior and back to Boston. And we've got a rookie camp that'll start September 13th. So our prospects will come. We head up to Buffalo for the prospect challenge. So we compete against a handful of other NHL organizations, nice prospects, which is really cool to see sort of how you, how we stack up against other teams. And, yeah. and then we'll move right into training camp. So we'll then have all of our AHL and NHL guys at, at camp and slowly start to form a team. That's that's awesome. Yeah, can't wait. So it'll go from zero to a hundred exactly, very very yeah. quickly. Yeah, exactly. It's calm before the storm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we certainly can't wait to watch all that unfold. And again, we've we've really been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while. We have followed your career, and we'll definitely continue to do that. And can't wait to see what's in store for this season coming up and with your career. Well, as thank you, you so much. Yeah. As you go forward. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been awesome. I appreciate it. Well, and Danielle, since, of course, we have you in the hot seat, yeah. as we like to say, we are going to pivot to our very special feature of the program, the Overtime Live, hosted by our wonderful producer, David Yaz. Overtime. Steph, you always call it Overtime Live. It's just overtime. It's well, just overtime. I think okay. I'm getting it mixed up with that show on Nesson. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. It, uh, no, matter, no matter what you call it, it's fun. And so we do have three <laughs> questions prepared for both Stephanie and Danielle to answer. They are completely unprepared for these, so let the nervousness and anxiety... I might be rusty. So- it's <laughs> been a while since an overtime. It's just like playing hockey. As soon as you get back out up there on the ice, it all comes back to you. Okay, Danielle, you're the guest. You get to go first. Okay. Question, question number one. Yeah. What's the most exciting hockey game you've ever seen in person? Gosh. And that could be any level under any circumstances. I, you know what? There are were so many there are a lot of exciting Bruins games to be at this year I'm thinking about the Carolina game at home 
where they were down 2 nothing, came back in the third period, and then won it either in overtime or in a shootout. But we had, we had a few overtime wins that were really exciting. So you know, were you in the garden for that I, game? Yep, I was there for, Whereabouts for a are you, few are, are you sitting up in I'm a way, box? Yeah, way up in the rafters. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go with that. As one well, that's answer. a good answer yeah. for a, from a historic Bruins season. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, same question for you. Most exciting hockey game you've ever witnessed in person? Yeah, well, so obviously all the, the pro stuff, great, just as a spectator. But I'll have to say it was one of our own games so at Austin Prep. Mm-hmm. And anyone who was on the team or part of it, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. This was the championship we won right before COVID. Mm-hmm. It was like the best high school girls game like of all time. Not only were the, the stands packed, and this was right before COVID, right mm-hmm. before everything got kind of crazy, but we, this was, we won a championship, and this was like our biggest rival all season. I'm not going to mention the team's name. I don't want them to get mad at me, but <laughs> I think people you can know figure who that you out. Are. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best game. Like, did, in the family. Now, remind our listeners, did that come down to the wire? Was it a close game? It was. So, get this. So, we were actually down. So, Austin Prep was down going to third period. We're down, mm-hmm. one nothing. And so this was the season on the line. And I, I swear, I think I gave, like, the best speech of all, just to mm. get them fired up. Like, the Herb you, Brooks moment. you gotta, you got to throw awesome. it all against the wall at this point. So mm. we came out, and so this is really kind of cool. So we've been practicing this face-off play, all, like, for a while, all season. If we needed to basically kind of pull a goal out of your, you know what? I right. love where this is going. And <laughs> good face-off play. we tried it all year. and didn't work. Mm. We tried it, and I was about to take this line off the ice, and she looks at me. She goes, Coach, she goes, I'll do it. I got it. I can mm. do it this time. And so I was like, fine, get out there. And she ran it, and it worked. Wow. So we That's tied nice. the goal up. I was like, it was everyone was crazy, right? Because mm. we like, we, that play never worked for us all season. It worked it's in that game. the best. <laughs> and then here we are. We get some juice going again, right? We're just, it's like, okay, here comes Austin Prep. And then we, we, we went up. We got the go-ahead, I think, with about two minutes left. And it was just, it was crazy. Like, mm. it was so awesome. Just the best game. So I love it. Clearly, right? I was yeah. excited. It must be so. cold in here because I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Question number two, Stephanie, you can go first. If you could have dinner with any hockey player, past or present, dead or alive, who would it be? That's a great question. And there's there's a lot of great answers, I feel like, with this. But if I had to say just recent right now, I would love Patrice Bergeron. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just looking, I just think, with the, the tributes that were given to him, obviously with his retirement, and what a career, what a journey, but it, what a person I think really. Well, this would be right? timely to if you could hang out with him now, um, yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll get him on the show. Try to get him on here. That's, yeah, let's that's go. A great Patrice. idea. Yeah, <laughs> but right. I mean, just seems like just an He's incredible. And then we'll have dinner after. person. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do an evening show with dinner. That sounds like a good plan to me. Danielle, same question. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I, it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go elsewhere though. Okay. I'm gonna stay in the Bruins lane though and say Bobby Orr. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you yeah. ever met Bobby Orr? You know what? I met Bobby Orr. I must have been in high school, and he was doing a fundraiser mm-hmm. at the hardware store in my town. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember why. I don't remember what for, <laughs> but I heard he was there, and my sister and I got in her car, and we raced on down to go get a picture and a signed puck by Bobby Orr. So. Wow. Well, I imagine um, it's just a matter of time before you meet him at some I point, right? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, because he comes back but for a lot my, of stuff. My dad, he, he grew up in Framingham and a big Bruins fan, and he used to sit me down and, and watch YouTube videos of Bobby Orr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 
at the time wasn't that impressed because I was I'm a forward. Why do I why do I want to watch this defenseman? But <laughs> I understand now the importance of that and would love to have dinner to discuss it. That's great. Further. Well, he was he was not just obviously a generational player, but also seems to be such a gentleman, and he still sort of walks among us. He doesn't seem to age too much. He still you see Bobby Orr around. He yeah. still he still looks like he could lace up the skates. Yeah. Final question, Danielle, you can go first on this one. Other than Boston, what is the greatest hockey city, in your opinion? Ooh, that's a great question. Boston would have been too easy. So Yeah, yeah. well, it is Boston, so what else is it going to be? I'm tempted to say Toronto, <laughs> but is it? are we talking for the fans or for the players? It seems like a tough market to play in if I'm, if I'm a player, but, I mean, to be a fan... Yeah, no, I think you've answered it correctly for the for the fans, the the enthusiasm and the passion for the game. I guess that's the spirit of the question. Yeah, I mean, Toronto. It's it, yeah, you've been. I take it's, it. It's I've been to Toronto. I have a lot of friends who are are Toronto from Toronto and Toronto fans. It's got to be tough to be a Leafs fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So maybe that's not the right answer, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> no, we didn't say the greatest hockey team. Yeah. We said the greatest hockey town. It's, like it's so a grind. I think. It's a grind to be a Leafs fan, but I mean, yeah, they they're passionate, so they, they keep that hope. Mm. Yeah. And then I it have, just gets crushed, though, at the end of the year. Every I have year. a feeling Stephanie might be going north of the border also. But what do you think, Stephanie? Well, so I think you guessed right. So, <laughs> And as you were asking the question, I was sitting here thinking, because like, I think when teams get to the playoffs, I think you see kind of a different version. Sure. Right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. they all turn it on, right, for the playoffs. And everything looks so cool and fun in the stands. But I think if you have to look on a consistent basis, I'm, I would probably have to say Montreal, just because mm-hmm. they're just so sort of nuts and passionate there yeah. right mm-hmm. like it's just it'd be a really fun atmosphere i think on a consistent basis i got to see a game in the the old form is is there a new form i should know it's this a bell center it's now, it's new right? now yeah but i got to see a game in the old form in i want to say the 90s but that was a cool bucket list thing but you talk about the playoffs being different time and for sure i this, this i hope this isn't off topic but i had a roommate named waldo in the 90s and when the when the playoff season season hit, he would not only join the Bruins in all in growing a beard, he he would do that, <laughs> but he would set up the shrine with like a Ray Bork jersey and all sorts of <laughs> wow. stuff around. And uh, yeah, playoff hockey. They say that's the best tournament in sports, even better than like the Final Four or something. It's it's hard to beat NHL playoff hockey. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's the hardest championship to win. Yeah, yeah, we've just seen proof of that yeah. in this past season, unfortunately. Right. Uh, anyway, Danielle, you did fantastic. Stephanie, you did fantastic. I'm declaring this a tie, so congratulations. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. You both can hoist the cup. And, <laughs> and Stephanie, back to you to wrap it up. That's great. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That always is a, a kind of a fun way to just cap off another great episode. Yeah. Great show. A little, a little nerve-wracking at first, but... <laughs> you don't know it's what gonna, he's going to yeah, ask. Yeah, I know. Sometimes. You pass with flying colors. <laughs> Well, Danielle, as we said, this has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you in studio joining us. And we really want to thank you for sharing such wonderful stories and also just learning about you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have you on again as we follow your career and obviously can't wait to to follow you this year and the Boston Bruins. So good luck this season. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe with us online at HockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media production.